Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hear anything either. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. That's great. So our upstairs neighbors have adopted this new workout regimen. <laughs> yeah. Where they don't... <laughs> Let's Listen, say like we all we do yoga. Yeah, we do yoga. They which jump is, on the, they jump on our ceiling. That's it. Which is their floor. Yeah. So can I be mad? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> it's it's not even like it's not jump rope. It's not like there's it's all it is is just like kum, 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 oh it's a party. Kum. Maybe. See, it's always funny to me when you do it at that tempo because that's way faster than they're doing it. Kum, kum, kum. <laughs> <laughs> no, so okay, so so every night, basically at dinner time, well, they, six to seven, they are there doing this this. It's their way of supporting dance, the dance revolution. You yeah, know? right. Yeah, <laughs> they do from six to seven, and then, and then everybody claps for five minutes. <laughs> They're staying active upstairs. Um, let's say mm-hmm. that we wanted to bring an end to that, and <laughs> we're gonna go up there. Hold on, yeah, we're gonna go up there. I'm listening. You want to you, you want to bring an end to it. You want to know what? I mean, I do have a baseball bat. In uh, yeah, in the year and a few months that we've lived here, mm-hmm. I've never taken the elevator upstairs. Only downstairs to do the laundry. Right. Well, we are on the first floor. We're on the first floor. Never been to the second floor. What so, do you think is up there? I, Jeff, I have no idea. But what if it's just a warehouse? Now I'm curious. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> and it's just it's just uh, Jada Kiss and Allen Iverson. <laughs> yeah. Doing the the Reebok commercial. So. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Trackmasters. Mm-hmm. It's all coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. So we go upstairs. Obviously, we have to wear masks to approach them. Mm-hmm. If you knock on the door and they answer, and let's for the for this hypothetical situation, say we didn't bring the baseball bat. <laughs> what do you What do you say to someone? Big that, fan. Yeah, <laughs> love. I love your work. Thank you. Every for, night. I've never approached a neighbor about. A thing that they've done, I don't think. I have. I know you have. Yeah. Yeah, you had to At talk the old to the building. Yeah, you had to talk to the guy for clipping his toenails in the in the stairwell right outside our apartment. And how did that go? Not well. Yeah. I was yo, I was I had like big sort of like, you know, puff up my chest, like walk up to him Energy. like I'm gonna take care of this right now. Mm-hmm. And by the way, big guy, like, you know, sitting there clipping his nails and I was just like he turns to me and I, he just like stares at me. He's like, What? <laughs> and I was like, uh, why are you doing that? And he goes, I got kids. And I, what can you say? I was like, yeah, but then you did the weird thing, which is that you went on the elevator. Like that was your original, no, I was like, original plan. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go check the mail. Yeah. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. Was you no, had a, there was no mail. You had a whole backstory for your character. And he kept clipping his nails. It's, you know, listen, I clip my nails. You clip your nails. People yeah, clip I don't, their nails. Yeah, but no, he does it in the hallway. Right. So, but it, but you have to understand the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Right outside my door. I mean, it's, it's a bad sound regardless. Drove me nuts. Yeah. Like, I have no problem, you know, clipping my nails, hearing that noise in the bathroom. Yeah. But outside my door, like, I was, you know, I, I, I was going to go nuts. I didn't know what to do. And then... Then you he did has, nothing. He has kids. What you did I, nothing. What can I do? He has children. <laughs> like, it's going to clip up and go into their eye. No, maybe... He could, I, my feeling when he said that, when you told me he said that... Yes. I was like, maybe... He can't like get a free moment to clip his nails. <laughs> like I didn't think it was like a, a a safety issue. Yeah. Should I have offered him goggles? Because that was my first thought. I I'm think like, you should have offered him therapy. <laughs> like given him like a shoulder to lean on. Been like, hey man, like, are you okay? So anyway, we have these upstairs neighbors. 
let's say we're going to to approach them mm-hmm. you knock on the door yeah first thing that you say to them to these new neighbors for the first time you've lived in this building a year plus and you are going to say what can i join in <laughs> i just want a friend <laughs> Send, send me on my way. <laughs> can I can I jump with you for an hour? Send me on my way. Way. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many people I who would listen- like <laughs> to hold my little, little hand? <laughs> How many people who listen to this podcast are going to know that reference? If you do, first let, of all, let us know. No, no, no. First of all, don't couch it. Everybody will. Okay. And if, everybody's going to be like, wow. If, if you know that reference. Very cool that they are doing that. Hold on. Yeah. Leave a comment on Twitter or Instagram. Let's make this, I don't know. I guarantee back. we will get a thousand comments. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, who's on the podcast today? On the podcast today is TM88. Super producer from Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to TM. Man, Taylor Gang affiliate. Uh He's worked with everybody from Drake to Future to Thug to... Chief um, Keef, Lil Uzi. I mean, just the list really does go on and on. Uh, 808 Mafia, Southside, Metro, everyone involved in that. It's just, you know, a... a Lex uh, Luger. The sound of a generation. Yes. TM88. TM88. Has, he has a new song out, and it is called... Blue Jean Bandit. That's right. It is out right now. Right so now. So go press play on all the DSPs. Every single one. Just do it right now. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, a thousand comments. Really, really fun guy. We never, you know, spoke to him, never met him in person. But you can tell. That we never spoke to him? You you can tell that you've never spoken to him. You can tell that he's a really fun guy. I mean, like, his hair is... I, I think that he moves with an energy where you're like, this guy seems fun. His hair is fun. His hair is fun. Are yeah. fun. Yeah. His 808s are fun. Blue jean bandit. He's fun. a fun guy. Fun guy. He's a fun guy. Has a lot of great stories. It was a pleasure to talk to him, and uh, you guys will really enjoy that. And yeah. Then... Andrew Barber, who is also fun. Fake Shore Drive. You know him from there. He is... Uh, you know, he's transitioned from being the blogger, right? Started that, that Midwest blog that really put so many artists on from Chicago and Detroit and all around that region to uh, becoming a manager, to becoming a, a big part of cultural commentary, to becoming this guy where it's like, you know, he pulls out these clips and starts a conversation on Twitter that just takes over the timeline. And he's super important to us. He's super important to the culture. He's one of the smartest people that we know in or out of the music business. Uh, he's a great and family he's fun. man. I feel like we haven't... He is very fun. Yeah. He doesn't have like TM88 hair. No, but few do. That's right. He is, he is fun on his own. Uh, shout out to Chicago's own... Andrew Barber, Fake Shore Drive. Indiana University That's graduate. Right. He is. Uh, I also want to shout out uh, our third guest. Yes. Kim Chanel. Shout out to Kim Chanel from Audio Mac. Before that, she was at different labels uh, here in New York City, but she's not from New York City. No. She's from Philadelphia. Kimmy from Philly. Jilly from Philly? Kimmy from Philly. Shout out to Kim Chanel. Kimmy from Fimmy. Kimmy from Fimmy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what I said? Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Kim Chanel, who is a uh, a great social media person, By a the great way, live you, event person. When you say Kimmy from Fimmy. Yeah. Like, Kimmy from Fimmy. Kimmy you know? From, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, it sounds like you're doing like a Joy Behar impression. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah who cares? Yeah. 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 Kimmy from Fimmy. <laughs> shout out to Kim. Um, it was great to catch up with her. She uh, has a lot to say about the future of live shows and what she misses most about being outside. Look forward to that. Shout out to TM88. Shout out to Andrew Barber. Shout out to Kim Chanel. Before we get into this whole thing. Yes. I want to say that we have a Patreon. Yes. Patreon. What, what is... Doc- what? What is Patreon? What is Patreon? Jeff? Eric, you've been here this entire time. For the people. Patreon.com slash it's the real. It is a 
service where people can contribute to the thing that we are doing and be a part of this. And for your efforts, we will give you t-shirts. We will give you live experiences online or when the doors open up. Live experiences in real life. In real life. And yeah. so it's a thing where if you believe in this platform. Yeah, this independent platform then we're going to do all that we can to make your money worth it. Like you put your money in, we're gonna make your money worth yeah, it. Yeah, you become part of this operation. Yeah. It, it, it can feel sometimes as if we're just two guys who are doing all the booking, all the editing, all the hosting, all the, the video work, all the promotions, and we are, but with your help, it feels like we're not alone in this. And I think if you really support us, if you really believe in what It's The Real is, Come on over, patreon.com slash it's thrill. Uh, a bunch of people have joined in the last couple of days, and we really appreciate you. We appreciate everybody who's been with us for the last three months of doing Patreon. We really appreciate everybody who's been uh, putting us onto their friends' radars, uh, especially in the last three months. Um, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep going as long as it takes. We're going to keep building this brand, and with you guys and your help, we will take it very far and uh, and stay doing great work. That's that's all we want to do. We want to do great work. And uh, and with your guys' help, we will. So shout out to everybody at patreon.com slash it's thrill. Now, Jeff, let's call down to our friend, our new friend. Our new friend. TM88. Yo, what's up, bro? TM, what's happening? What up? Cooling it. <laughs> First of all, uh, we are the biggest 808 Mafia fans. We appreciate like everything that you've done for your entire career. We are so excited that you and Southside have dropped Blue Jean Bandit with Thug and Future and Moneybag Yo. Oh, shit. But I do want to uh, bring up first and foremost, because we have a lot of friends in common, but one of them, one of our friends, A-Track, puts on uh, this this Goldie Awards uh, event every year. And we saw you there as one of the judges. I forget if it was this past year or the year before. And yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was this past year. Yeah. And and it's a producer battle. It's a uh, beat battle. It is a DJ battle. When you think of these times right now where everybody is at home and you have a lot of, you know, people who were aux core DJs, of course, but there's a lot of people now who are really like getting into their bag and learning the craft and dedicating their time and their focus now that they're stuck in these four walls during quarantine. What do you think of uh, what DJs will look like coming out of this thing? Man, um, look-wise or... <laughs> yeah, either yeah, way, or, either or, way. Or, yeah, or everybody's hair's going to be crazy. Everybody's beards are going to be crazy. Oh, yeah, I mean, bro, I feel like a lot of people not getting haircuts right now. Yeah. <laughs> me. I'm looking rough as shit. But, <laughs> but, like, I mean, I feel like as far as on the, on the talent scale, I feel like a lot of people is going to come out beasting, like going crazy, because I can see the producers right now like a lot of stuff that's coming out but if you go on their pages and you start looking at the, some of the stuff they're making it's like damn everybody on steroids right now so, <laughs> yeah so i feel like bro i feel like the music is going to be way better um it's going to be way more energy it's going to be um i mean of course it's going to be good vibes a lot of good vibes because everybody haven't been able to see each other yeah and and once you get in that mode to collaborate with people again, it's going to be like, oh, shit, I learned something new, you learned something new, and we learned how to do this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Some well, epic shit. So. You're somebody who is, like, super collaborative. And, you know, during this time, is it easier or harder for you to, like, send – I mean, it's easy, I'm sure, to send files back and forth, but do you get that same sort of energy when you're not in the same room as people? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's sort of the same because you know, I even before quarantine, you know, I was still doing half and half. I go in the studio with artists, or I would email the record. But I I also make sure that you know they're doing the songs and if they need input or anything like that. So transitioning to you know what's going on now is like it's it's kind of it's it's really easy for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All the artists. A lot of artists are got home studios now, and you know they're real eager to record. So it's easier to get them the beats and for them to really sit down and like listen to your beats. You know, soon as soon as they get the beats, it's like, oh shit, we can load up and just go ahead and rap because you know you got nothing but time. Can nobody do shows? If there's no one going to football games, basketball games, anything that's going on, like it's nobody going there. So. You have nothing but time on your hands. It's easier for people to record or to lock in and like, you know, catch a vibe at home, but it's also harder for them to actually record because nobody knows how to record themselves. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, some artists do know, a lot of artists do know how to record themselves now. Like, um, I've seen, I seen quite a bit of artists like kind of, you know, they might not know how to mix this shit, but they can get the vocals down. As long as you can get the vocals down, then you can get them mixed. And, you know, you have a good record. But a lot of artists are like, their engineers are stuck to their hip. They're quarantining with the engineers, you know? So, I mean, that's a smart thing to do, too. Yeah. yeah, actually, you know what? We had an episode that we did uh, just the other day with Leslie Braithwaite, with uh, Alex Tume, and with uh, Anthony Cruz, who works with Meek Mill. Um, when you think the about ladies. when you think about mix engineers, and you think about like guys who do mastering, like who who are the type of people that you really want to work with to get the sound that you want to get, and what do you look for in those people? I mean, Pete, um, I really work with Alex a lot. Um, I love Alex sound um, from from jump. Like when I met Alex, I think I think I met Alex probably like seven years ago or some shit. But you know, we we met in the studio, all of us together, and we knew like Alex was like once he showed us his mix, we knew like Alex was it. Like he was the he always thought forward. You know what I'm saying? Like he never just tried to stay in the box and mix and just get the basic vocal mix he always put the extra effects on there to make it sound like you know next level so you know alex i love working with him um and i r.i.p seth the late seth yeah, yeah man bro he bro he he's a real wizard like and you know he was he he know what beats he he know what beats to play at the right time to make future just go crazy like <laughs> it, you know it, I don't know, man. Engineers, man. If we didn't have the engineers, bro, I don't think none of us would be nothing. You know? Yeah. Because the engineer is in the middle, so it's like, okay, you're making the beats, so but the rapper is rapping, but who's gonna mix the shit? You know? So yeah. Can you take us back to uh, to 2013 and talk about working with Gucci back then? Oh yeah, man. It was epic. It was one of them like you finally get the be one of your idols every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Gucci, you know, we'll be in the studio. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to the studio, Gucci in there recording. He, he passed you a whole bunch of blunts. He's like, bro, before we record, we're going to roll these six boxes of switches. <laughs> and then we'll roll up all the blunts and shit, and then we'll, he'll be like, load the beats up. We load it up. Um, 
it was um I think you know Uzi's engineer Keisha yeah she used mm. to be Gucci's engineer she used to be Gucci's engineer and like she'd be with us every day until Sunday they'd let her out to go to church and stuff you know get us to get herself together go to church and then she'd come straight back Monday morning so you know it was epic you know Gucci he show a lot of love it's 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 super fun being in the studio with Gucci. You yeah, know, when you, when you think back to the World War series, like what is that? What is that like whole uh, uh, you know few volumes ooh, mean to you? <laughs> the World War series, man, that was originally supposed to just be me. The, the original idea was supposed to be me and Metro. So me and Metro, me, me and Metro Boomin was at the studio every day, just like kicking it with Goo Out, making songs making songs and then then um Gu- Gucci called us and was like I got an idea <laughs> I got an idea so he was like um you and Metro tweet out um uh, I got the best beats right now uh, <laughs> the best songs for Gucci man right now it was it was supposed to start like a little fake fake a little fake beat you know like not like a beat but you know friendly competition yeah and so me and Metro, we tweeted out. We was like, bet. We called each other. We was like, we're going to do it. We're going to tweet it out. We tweeted out. And then Gucci was like, we're going to drop these projects on Friday. But I don't know. Something happened to where I think me and Metro had like some, we had other studio sessions going on and, and we couldn't get back up with Gucci that week. And he, I guess he had like different producers pulling in and stuff. So he came up with the idea of doing a World War series where you can just what like all these producers on this one all these producers on that one all these producers on the next one so it was like a you know it was smart yeah it was a dope idea idea though so um can you talk about your relationship with Southside? uh how it's how it's grown throughout the years and and what you really appreciate about the way he approaches music man sizzle man bro if it weren't for sizzle bro i probably wouldn't even I probably wouldn't even be in the game, bro, to be honest. It was like, that was one of them last, like, you know, he like my little bro, but, you know, we wasn't around each other for for a minute. While he was doing his thing, I was doing my thing. Yeah. And then, but he was he was advancing in, in his career. Every time I saw him, he was just lit up. It was stuff going on. And, like, you know, we finally linked back up. And we was like, bro, man, we need to start this um this production company, bro. We need to go crazy, bro. Like, we used to make these together. Like, we, we can do it again. So, you know, we we made up 808 Mafia. Yeah. But the whole, what, what, what I love about Sizzle is, bro, he, he never quit. He never stopped. He's, he's working 24-7. And, you know what I'm saying, he might talk a big game, but he bag it up. You know what I'm saying? He don't just talk it and not back it up. Yeah. So I just love that, you know, he put in a lot of work. And, you know, I admire, like, his his produ- production skills. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Like, it makes me want to go in the studio and make 100 beats every time I hear his beat. That's and fire. He'll say, he'll say some shit like, he say, you like this beat? I'm like, bro, this shit is so hard. He's like, man, this shit ain't nothing. <laughs> I made this shit in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, man, Sizzle, bro, like, he really a dope. And I really, you know, I appreciate, you know, just him shining his light on me so I can shine my light on others. Yeah. What's a song that, like, you were most excited to hear your tag on? Man, um, 
the first the first track I was most excited to hear my tag on was um, Danny Lovin. Mm. Me and Southside did that one. And I was mostly proud of the fact that, like, we didn't know Thug was going to use the song as a single or, or what he was going to do. We had the song, and we was like, man, we was dropping. Um, Metro had just dropped his um, his mixtape, and he was helping us drop ours. So it was on something like, man, this Thug song is crazy. Man, when we drop this, it's going to be crazy. So we had a whole bunch of songs, and we put it. It was number one on the project. When it dropped, on um, live mixtape, it went crazy. I mean, it went bananas, <laughs> and like the internet was going crazy. Thug, Thug had called us and was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> he was like, what the fuck?" He was so mad. But then, like a couple hours later, he called back, like, "Bro, like, y'all, y'all just don't know what y'all did. Y'all just went crazy, whoop de whoop." So, but the, it, it, I don't know, bro. Just hearing Danny Glover and the way it came out, and then us being able to reach out and put Nicki Minaj on it. Me and Southside reached out to her management and, you know, and people in between and finally got her on the record and, and it made it go even further, you know? What you and Southside and Metro created by all getting on one track, is there any way to organically create that once more? Or or does it feel like that was oh, such, yeah. a, uh, such a of moment course. back then, yeah? I mean, it was a moment, but you know, you, you have the power to, to create multiple moments. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, every time, every time me, Sizzle, and Metro, we all link up. We we'll cook 10, 10, 12, 15 beats every time we link up. Like if we're in the studio setting, you know. So the vibe is always there. Like we we're brothers at the end of the day. So like we understand. Like you know, we all got a lot of stuff going on. We got to work and we got stuff to do. But you know, it, we we. You know, you cherish the time that you do have with, with, you know, with your buddies and stuff, you know, creating music, creating that vibe, because, you know, around around those days, that, that was legendary. We kind of didn't understand it at the time, you know, because we was in it and it was a lot going on. But like when you look back now, it's like it's crazy to to like even think about us being up-and-coming producers, but having all the major artists pull up to the studio on us. We wasn't pulling up on the artists. The artists was pulling up on us. Yeah. So we was able to get the footage and get the songs. So it, it made it made, it made made our careers, like, bigger than life type shit on the, on, the, on the producer end type. You know what I'm saying? Because we was able to document it and get the work done at the same time for the fans to be able to see it because we was putting it out on 808 Mafia TV you know what I'm saying at the same time so you know we can recreate it anytime piggybacking off of that question what was the session like when Chief Keef did Where He Get That which has like it's all three of you and then also Sunny Digital's on that bro if I could think back I don't remember who did what, but <laughs> I remember the process and the process, you know, you, I never forget the process. It's, it, you know, it's somebody, somebody will sit down and start something and we'd be like, oh shit, that's hard. And then somebody else will sit here, get up, somebody will sit down, add what they're going to add and somebody else add what they're, what they're going to add. Then, you know, we keep it going, you know, so, cause it's, it's never on some shit where we're like, Ah oh, man, he added too much. He gonna get more money, but we just we split it down the middle. So it's it, it really no, you know what I'm saying? We really have no issues, and we don't even be thinking about money when we making beats. It's like 
we're just we we picking up trying to make a new sound or make a new vibe. TM, is there is there any song that came out that you were shocked to hear your your your, your sounds on? Um, let me see. Let me see. Bro, I'm gonna be honest. I was shocked to even be on the Drake album, bro. Really? To be honest. Yeah. And, you know, shout out Travis Scott. You know, he helped put that shit together. You know, just working with him kind of, ele- well, not kind of, but it did elevate my beats and made me, I don't know, it made me go extra, like, to the extra, to, you know, the extra mile just to, just to try to make sure my production just sounds super clean and, you know, just, you know, real rock star shit. Yeah. I mean, how did you find out that you were on Drake's album? I mean, I knew. I found out five, like a couple hours before the album came out. Like, because the album was dropping like at nine, nine, ten o'clock that morning or some shit. And me and Trav, we was working on, me, Trav, Wonder Girl, and Alan Riddler, we was working on the, um, on the beat, well, on the, not the beat and the song for like a month, like a month and a half. So it was on something like Drake calls, like, yeah, we, it's only a couple of hours until y'all can turn it in. But we went in the studio for, for the rest of that day. We didn't turn in the song until I think about 2, 3 in the morning. It was one of those, like, bro, when Drake sent back the flame emojis, <laughs> emojis, I knew it. I knew it. It was over with. We lost it. Like, everybody went crazy in the studio. Just like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> it's um, over with. Another one of our friends we have in common is is Will DeZomback from Taylor Gang. Can you give us a good Will story? Man, Will, bro, he's, he's one epic guy, bro. I'm so happy I met him. Like, he's one of my best friends. So, mm-hmm. you know, he you know, he gave me a lot of knowledge on, you know, what's going on. We kick, we kick shit, kick knowledge to each other. One Will story that I could give, let me see. Let me see. Oh, okay, so I'm leaving Atlanta. I get on a flight, and I'm thinking, like, you know, when I get to L.A., I'm just going to meet the label. You know, we're going to chop it up. He pulls up in his new Maserati. You know, first, he's surprising me with the car, because he's like, he's telling me not to go crazy and buy a whole <laughs> So he pull up in the Maserati, and he's like, oh, Check out my new wheel. <laughs> bro, he goes in the trunk and pulls out a pound of KK. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he gave me a whole pound of KK. Yo. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's out great. of the brand new car. I'm like, bro, Will, I don't know, bro. Will, one of the best people I ever met. Bro. He's a great dude. Yeah. Um, does Spotify or anybody give you, when you get like a billion plays for exo tour life like is there like a plaque that even sums that up or like do they do they send you anything like do you get like a, a pair of sweatpants like what <laughs> what comes in the mail when you get a billion streams on on a uh, exo tour life a check no they, yeah, there you go <laughs> that, 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 that was way, the best that was always in question because for a while atlantic hadn't paid you so that's very nice yeah yeah i mean that's the best thing you could ask for it like you know, a pair, you know, some hoodies would be cool, but you know, once once your royalty statement come in, you don't even want nothing else. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bro, I got it. 
Yeah, you got that check. Need, you know, Next, you get the Maserati, and you got a pound of KK. So that's all good. <laughs> For sure. Yo, uh, you know. TM, uh, Blue Jean Bandit is the song. Uh, give us a little background on on how Future and Thug and, and, and Yo got together. Blue Jean Bandit. Me and Southside, new single, featuring Young Thug, Future, Moneybag, Yo. We recorded, like, we was, I think one night, me and Southside maybe recorded 15, 20 songs with Thug, and then we pulled up the next day and recorded about 15, 20 more. And like so, we was work, we was working on like a joint project. I don't know what we was gonna call it, but it was gonna be 808 Mafia and Young Thug. And you know, eventually, like you know, days passed by, weeks, and Thug, you know, decided he's working on his album. And we was like, all right, cool. So let me try to figure out which song I want to push for my my project. So me and Southside sat down, went through a few songs, and sent Thug the songs, and he was like. Yeah, I'm gonna use these two. You can run with the other one. Now we was like, cool. So Southside caught Future, put Future on there. We put Moneybag Yo on there, and we got Blue Jean Bandit. This quarantine thing is is you know seemingly no end in sight, but our hope is when this is all over, one day, whether it's a year from now or six months from now or whenever it is, we can sit down, have a full hour and a half conversation with you because you have the best energy, you have the best music, and there's no doubt about that. And we look forward oh, to, shit. Appreciate to it, bro. we look forward to that that day when we can make it happen. And until then, be safe and uh, keep staying creative and keep putting out that fire. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. You guys too. Thanks, bro. And now, Jeff, let's get on the phone with our friend out there in Chicago, Fake Shore Drive's own, Andrew Barber. Hello, hello. Andrew! What up? Hey. What's happening? The Brothers Rosenthal. <laughs> How are we? We're doing very well. How are you doing out there in Chicago? How's your family doing? How is the city doing? Oh, you know, it's okay. Um, you know, family's good. Everybody's Everybody's been healthy. Um, well, I guess I haven't, I wasn't healthy. I think I actually had it really a couple weeks ago, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, um, what, what did yeah, your what body symptoms? go through? Man, so, you know, I, I basically, uh, I had some people that were in my house that tested positive for it. Three, three people that had been in here. Wow. And of course, once you hear something like that, you just automatically expect the worst. And like any little thing, any little, like ache or cough or anything makes you feel like you know you automatically go to your head and you're like oh i got it i got it i got it yeah but i didn't necessarily think i had it until i lost my my sense of smell well, and you taste. did which is like a very like you know common thing right my, my homie my good buddy who's a doctor in new orleans who um he's been working in the icu down there since you know fighting it since march he actually had it as well and he's basically said you know, if you had direct exposure to it and then you had the loss of, of smell and taste, like that's like a 99% guarantee you probably had it. Yeah. He's like, that's probably better than a swab test. So so what did this do to you and how did it affect you on a, on a daily basis? Did it knock you out or was it just something that was just like a hindrance to the rest of your day? It was like a it was like a hindrance and like like I said I don't know for sure I'm going to get an antibody test you know here soon when they become more readily available yeah. to confirm but like it just it made me feel weird like it felt like a it, it didn't like take me out it wasn't like some of these other experiences that you hear about like where people feel like they can't move they can hardly walk and they yeah. can't breathe like it wasn't that extreme like I did have some labored breathing but it wasn't anything like it kind of felt like I was like out of breath but it wasn't like 
I couldn't get a breath. And I had some aches and stuff, but it wasn't like I couldn't walk. It just felt like a cold, like a like a like a like a cold or like a sinus infection almost. Man. And, and so it was weird, but I was still I was still doing um like what I had to do, you know, I've been doing um, you know, different things and it didn't really slow me down like that. I was just like really tired. Wait, by the way, there's no worse description than I was doing what I had to do. I was doing different things. <laughs> yeah, that was a terrible description. But I, what I was trying to say was I was doing like video calls and I was doing Zoom calls and I was doing podcasts. Yeah, like all, all, like all the like things was, like in your normal routine that we all do like, you know, during quarantine. But it's just like, but in, in the back of your mind or like throughout all of this, you're still dealing with what could be coronavirus yeah 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 and you know more so because i have two young kids i was more worried about that and you know my wife and stuff but they were all fine that's they had no symptoms so if if they had it too they were asymptomatic so you know i just treated it like i had i mean not that i can leave and go anywhere anyway but i just you know really stayed inside for for two weeks yeah so what what is the general temperature of the city right now i mean it's you know people are getting antsy um you know as i'm sure it's the same thing in new york or yeah. everywhere like as the weather is breaking and getting nicer people are you know outside people are you know getting tired of it like the grocery store was like a nightclub over the weekend it was like one in one out like i've never seen anything i've never seen a grocery store look like a, a south by southwest party where they got somebody at the door you know <laughs> one in one out that was different but um you know, it, it's just weird. It's just a weird feeling, and it's you know, it, it's sad. It's it's you know, it, it, it's it's just not a it's not a good vibe. But you know, people are making people are making it work. Yeah. Well, listen. If there's one thing that has not changed before uh, COVID nineteen, during COVID nineteen, and it definitely won't change uh, afterwards, is that Lil Dirk is back on top of the charts. Shout out to Dirk. Have you ever thought about how far he's come and uh, how he's really been the most consistent uh, player that has come out of of the Midwest in the last maybe like seven years? Great segue. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, Dirk was always special from from day one. Like you knew he was going to be, and and that's the thing, man. You know, you can there's you you don't know what's going to happen with any artist's career, and a lot of time that you know, it comes down to, you know, what kind of fight the artist has. Cause Dirk has had so many ups and downs from the very beginning. I yeah. mean, you go all the way back to when he took that deal and, you know, with no ID and those guys signed him in 20, him and Reese took the deal at the same time. To Def Jam, you know, think yeah. of all, all the ups and downs that he's had and, and so much pain and suffering and, and win and then losses. And, you know, now he's just found his footing and it, it, I'm, I'm super happy for him, him and his team. You know, they're all really good people. Um, you know, guys that I've known for a long time, you know, manage him now. And I'm, I, I think, you know, he, he's a fighter, man. He had that will to succeed and to continue to thrive in the industry. And he's, he's become one of the most copied artists, you know, so. And um, yeah, I, I think that if people look to the most influential artist of the last decade, Dirk is absolutely up there. Um, I think, you know, everyone likes to to say, oh, it's very easy to say Chicago is, you know, Chief Keefe and he is the one who really set it off. But but Dirk has taken that mantle and he's really uh, run with it and, and changed the game. Absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of the younger artists look up to him, 
and and you know and he's not even an elder statesman yeah. you know we're talking about a guy that's probably only like what 24 25 at this point crazy but, but it is still like you know influenced a, a generation of people and so you know when all those artists popped off in 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 2012 and you know chicago got really hot you really had no idea who was going to last or stand the test of time and here we are you know eight eight years later and you know he's he's bigger than he's ever been so you know that goes against everything that we're kind of taught in in the music business like yo you know after your first album it's all kind of downhill or you know you never get that big but he's just continuously uh climbs and and keeps getting bigger so you know props to him and shout out to him like you really got to have a strong will to do that especially with all that he's been through yeah Yeah, well i mean like going back i feel like there have been a bunch of artists who um obviously got their start on fake short drive um what, what was your first interaction with juice world um you know i didn't i only had met juice world a couple times and that was through valet um Juice World, like they, Valet and Juice kind of came, started popping like around the same time. And they had some mutual friends early on. And so they were recording pretty heavily um, just as Juice World was like becoming a huge star. And they actually have like three or four songs together, um, three of them which have, have leaked, um, you know, since his passing, um, unfortunately. But, um, you know that's how i met him with Suvale. like just being in the studio and we met we, we hooked up with them at the bet award hip-hop awards a couple years ago in la and you know uh, juice world was a was a kid man just a happy excited to be here just had a lot of good energy around him so it's just such an unfortunate thing what happened to him. absolutely um you like us have have been glued to instagram for all these versus battles shout out to timbaland and swiss for really like cornering the market on on what uh what culture can be during this during this time when we're all like stuck inside and i think that uh every battle whether it's been uh a visual or audio success has been uh, something to talk about and something for us all to like, you know, grab onto and and appreciate. Um, the next one that's coming up is Nelly and Ludacris. And does that take you back to a time when you know Timbaland was in his like, you know, was really in his his apex, and uh, and Luda comes out and and really like just takes over the world. I think people like look to him now and they're like, oh yeah, Ludacris the actor, or Ludacris is on stage at, at the Comedy Central roast, or Ludacris is in commercials. Ludacris was like the guy, and then also Nelly was the guy. Can you talk about where you were in those those early two thousands years, and uh, and what do you appreciate about their music all these years later? Yeah, you know, and what's crazy about the Nelly and, and Ludacris connection is those dudes blew up within like six months of each other. Yeah, maybe yeah. not even that. It might have been like three, four, three or four months because I would say summer of two thousand because we're coming up on twenty years. Uh, you know that infamous summer when it was Eminem versus Nelly. Yeah, and I think like you know that's a discussion that is gonna eventually hit the timeline. Like those dudes were duking it out over the summer of 2000. Um, they one of them was like number one on the charts pretty much that entire summer. It's like they just kept battling back and forth. New songs would drop. One would hit number one. One would go. And then these were two artists from the Midwest. And me being a Midwest guy, like that was, you know, an incredible thing to see. Um, you know, guys from my region, you know, reach this this apex like that. And yeah. then. Um, 
you know, Ludacris is also a Midwest guy originally. You know, he he he's from uh, like the the Chicagoland area, I believe Oak Park or mm. somewhere from really? around there. But like, I had no yeah, idea. He yeah, he went to. I think he went to Oak Park High School for a little bit. But um, uh, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. I could be wrong. But it, he he definitely lived in the Chicagoland area at some point. Um, and before he went to Atlanta, is that how the and, Shauna connection happened? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I'm not sure if that's how, I think that might have came through Cap One actually, mm. who was in in Atlanta. But um, there is a connection there, um, and you know, it, it was just crazy. Like it's 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 weird how some things can t- like the, their legacies become like jokes or people don't take them seriously. But I think you know the the great thing about these versus battles are. It's, it's giving people their flowers and I kind of hate that expression, but it is giving people their flowers in real time now. And it's a celebration, you know, where it is a battle, but it's also more so a celebration. So it's been fun to see people that may not get the credit that they deserve now, like being celebrated like this. And it, and, and, it, and I think it has beneficial, been beneficial for everyone. Yeah. I think like when you talk about all these battles, um, you know, Riza and, and Primo is certainly for a subsect of, of this huge genre. Um, but you know, and, and Jill and Erica is certainly for a, a subsect. And then you have like, you know, uh, the, the, the bigger ones or the broader ones when you have like you know, Lil John or Scott Storch or, or whoever, The Dream. But when you talk about Nelly and you talk about Ludacris, that hits so central to who Jeff and I are and, and how we grew up and what we appreciate. And that sound, even though we're not listening to that on a regular basis now, it really is like a comfort, especially during these times. And so it's a pleasure to think like, oh man, is Luda going to go in his bag and play like, you know, Fat Rabbit, pull that out like early or something like that. <laughs> you know? And really, yeah. Like yeah. go in for those ones that are like not necessarily the biggest smashes, but mean the most to us. Right. And that's what it's all about. Like, you know, you don't always have to go for the big records or the big singles, but you know, a lot of those album cuts meant stuff to people. And, you know, we're all around the same age and like that, those were our formative years. Like yeah. that's what we were going to high school or college parties to, or, you know, having some of our first experiences in life to those, to those records. So, you know, they mean something to us. And I think it's, it, it's really cool. Um, to see that they're still celebrated, you know, 20 years later. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, whatever happened, by the way, with the 3-6 and Bone Thugs uh, <laughs> thing? That's a great question because all of a sudden, you know, that got canceled. <laughs> I was tuning in. I was, like, literally clicking on when I saw somebody say it had been postponed. <laughs> and DJ went to DJ Paul's page, and he's like, yeah, it's going on Versus. And you haven't heard anything about it since. I hope. Yeah, and now, like, more like, things keep getting announced. It's just like, I don't know what's happening. I, I hope it happens. Like, that, that feels like such a huge event also very central to my life mm-hmm. um i do think that three six is going to absolutely annihilate <laughs> yeah. uh bone thugs but i i think that it's just like i'm so excited for that one see here's the thing i'm hoping versus didn't just sign them to shelf them you know that old oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know we don't want to get this thing to get too big because people were really excited about that and um i hope it still happens because you know, maybe they don't look think it of as like a main event. You know, it, it may it's probably not going to do the numbers of, um, you know, Jill and Erica yeah. or Teddy and Babyface, but it will have a huge number of people there, and people you know want that. Um, you know, I I think you're sleeping on Bone Thugs. I mean, you know, I think everybody that's one of those Riz 
primo things where everybody was sleeping on yeah, RZA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think everybody is going to be sleeping on Bone. And Bone has a lot of records, man. They they sold a lot of records and had a lot of hits. Yeah. Well, are you are you anticipating that Bone's going to show up dressed like the way RZA was dressed up? Because that really, you know, sort of gave that extra oomph. Look, that sold it. Like he. <laughs> With the with the uh, mechanic uh, vest on in the in the in the driving gloves, like, I mean, he came he came to win that night. That's all I'm gonna say. He came to win. Well, okay, so so okay. Uh, one last thing about the uh, the Luda and and Nelly battle. Do you, oh, I could go on for hours about this. No, I, on, I understand. Yeah. Uh, but Andrew, do you have a prediction? Because everybody is saying, look, Ludacris's catalog is just you know eons long, and uh, Nelly's going to have a, a hard fight to get uh, you know yeah I think ahead the problem, of him. The thing about Nelly is that he doesn't have any features really. Like no one was like, hey, let me get that feature with Nelly, unless it's like you know, uh, what dilemma was his song. Yeah, I don't know. Dilemma was his song, and then he had, like, Where the Party party At. at. Yeah, exactly. You know, that was a huge record. Um, And there's a couple other features that he had, like Shake Your Tail Feather. Well, I guess that's kind of his and Diddy's song and Murphy Lee's song. I mean, I don't know who you call that. That that song won a Grammy. Um, Which is wild. Listen, all all he needs is 20. That's that's all he needs. Yeah. No, I mean, he'll definitely have 20 songs. My feeling is that Luda has just so many features and is just like it used people sleep on like luda people oh. sleep on both of them but people sleep on luda dude his feature catalog is crazy because i i tweeted something that effect the other night after they announced it and i went and looked and i was just like dude his features were crazy like before you could just stay in people's faces on social media like instagram or twitter like you know you, that's how you stay in people's faces now you stay on the timeline right yeah yeah but how did you do that in 2001 2002 how did you stay on 106 and park how did you stay on um you know trl you were on features and like when you really go back and think about it for five years or whatever Ludacris never went away like he was always on he may not have had an album out but it, he was at least on somebody's hit and it may not always. have just been on the song he destroyed the song and owned the song yeah right so yeah, yeah. so so well, predictions I think that Luda takes it but what's a song that like is such a, a D side that you hope that he pulls it out yeah and D side is not a real thing but let's let's, <laughs> let's just say it is um who Nelly no, either. Dude, Nelly has a song called Shake It Off that, that uh, features Pharrell, and uh, it was on the Sweatsuit disc. That's, like, one of my favorite Nelly songs that, like, I don't know why they never put it out as a single. I think it was on Suit. I don't know. But it was, like, <laughs> I can't, don't quote me, but but that's a good one. Um, I like the other one that he what, did with what, uh, Pharrell, the one that was, like, uh, Rick James. Oh, yeah, that's, that's later Nelly, and that's also great. Yeah. Great song. Yeah, but I mean, as far as far like you guys already nailed it with Fat Rabbit. Yeah, like yeah, like that. That's a good one. And then like, what about his verse on "What Means the World to You" remix? Oh hell yeah, yeah. I, now that's one of my favorite Luda verses. But um, I also like the one where is, I like the 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 um the Young Buck one. Oh, Stomp. Yeah, Stomp. Where they, Stomp. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, bro. I mean, he he went at Ti crazy on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like that was a big. Re- I mean, that was. So big, one of them got taken off the actual album. <laughs> yeah. Whose verse was left off the album? I can't remember, but one of them got cut. Yeah, I think Luda got cut. All right, well, listen, Andrew, predictions for the for the Ludacris and, and Nelly battle. Man, you know, I, I don't. My heart says, um, my heart says Nelly, but my brain says Ludacris. He's just got too much. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, 
uh, I, I want to get into live live shows, live performances. You are no stranger to putting on shows. Um, you've booked some amazing people, by the way. I don't think there's anything better than getting Master P uh, to come to your show. Um, what do you <laughs> What do you, you think now about the next? You know, honestly, like year, year and a half, where venues are afraid to uh, take on liability, where artists probably you know will not be given chances, nor will they want to be around other people. Um, we're trans listening into this period now where I guess it's not weird to have Travis Scott doing a virtual performance or you hear people talk about doing, you know, drive-ins and and sort of adapting that where people can sit in their cars and watch a, a person on stage. Um, how do you, as someone who has promoted and put on shows and booked shows and, and dealt with people and felt that energy in a building, how do you feel about this now? I mean, I don't, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and trying to come up with ideas and speaking with other people and you know i i just don't know how you can recreate you know the the live stuff is cool and watching somebody perform in their house on a live stream is, is fine but like nothing compares to the energy of being there you know being in a full venue and being a part of that like there's just nothing like that um and it's gonna take some time to get you know we, we have no idea how long this thing is gonna last and you know as it mutates and gets better or worse we you know who knows but nothing will ever take away from that like and 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 even going to a show that's 20 percent full if you're going to like a you know a large venue you know they only let 20 percent of the people in there it's still gonna feel weird it's gonna be off you yeah. know um, As somebody who's gone to shows that have like twenty percent of people there, and that's at SOBs, <laughs> it feels off. Right, you just feel bad. You just feel gutted. And at this yeah. point, it's just like you know these people can fill a venue, and, and it it messes with the artist. So you don't necessarily always get the best performance yeah. that way. But we have to come up with a solution because there are so many artists suffering because of this. And like you know, I think a lot of times people just think about the big artists. Like, of course, a Travis Scott and a Kid Cudi are going to be fine because they can. You know, they're already making a ton of money on tours, but then they can do a partnership with Fortnite and Fortnite can afford to pay them what they want, you know, to get calls and, you know, everybody involved to do something big. But what about the people that like play your local neighborhood festival in the summer or people who are in blues bands or jazz bands that play at nightclubs in New York City or Chicago every night. Like those people can't do anything right now. Or even the audio really engineers or the roadies or the light technicians and the people right. who are on the road too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the trickle down I mean, effect it, is going to be like, it just expands like forever and forever and forever. I, I, I even wonder like if any of these places are going to still be open when this is all over with like i you don't know how what the tale of this is going to look like yeah andrew right. is there is there a particular venue that you're so glad that in your life you were able to uh stand in and and feel that energy because i know for jeff and myself it was a lifelong dream to get to red rocks out there in denver colorado and uh and to be in that in that environment and and just experience that was I'm so grateful that we were able to do that, um, especially, you know, considering the world we live in now. Is there is there a place that was very special for you? Man, you know what? Um, I never got to Red Rocks, but that would have been dope. I, w- I would have liked to have, you know. It's still open, though, right? Or is that over with? No, no, it's it's open. I just don't know, like, what the, how when, the world, right? you know. I still have time. Yeah, I still I, have time to go to Red Rocks. I feel like Red Rocks is you actually. You guys went and saw Dave Matthews Band there, didn't you? No, no, no. no. We saw, we, we saw Chromio <laughs> there. <is> slander. <laughs> I feel like uh, Red Rocks is one of the few places that's positioned well for this world, actually, because it's outside. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, 
you 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 know wear your mask. That's that's <laughs> that's all you can sort of do. You know, I think the the the, the House of Blues in L.A. was was really dope. Yeah, uh, same. Place I love that place. Before they closed that, like yeah. you always heard stories about that place, like and all the legendary stuff that went down there. So I was I was happy I got to go there. The one on Sunset, I believe, before it was on Sunset, right? Yeah, before yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, and then the double. My favorite venue um, has been the Double Door here in Chicago, um, which is now closed. Um, it is now a um, cooler shop. What is um, the name of that fancy, expensive cooler uh, company, whatever whatever they're called, they make coffee mugs. That's where <laughs> the door is now in really? Wicker Park. And to me, yeah, I swear to God, that's like CBGB's. Um, you know, changing to a to a clothing store. You I'm know, confused as to like what. Yeah, well, John Vervados just uh, went bankrupt. But, oh, do they really? Yeah. So, so shout out to so we can someone. we can go down there and sort of take over the. Old yeah, we CBGB could, squatters rights. Wait, there's a <laughs> squatters rights. Com- you guys should bring it back. Did you go to CBGB's? Like, I walked by there. I did go to CBGB's. I, yeah, I never had gone to a show there. That would have been really. I dope. went there. I had some friends in in high school who were in punk bands, and we would go down to the city, and they would play. And by the way, it was it was really a dump. It was a, it was <laughs> it was a terrible place. But I appreciated the history. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny like how I grew up looking at, you know, pictures of that in magazines and you hear about it and then like, you know, you're just like walking down the street in New York and like there it is and it's just a small storefront. Like crazy. You know? It, it's crazy. But you know, a shout out to all the music venues and I hope that, you know, they can make it through this because when I saw that, you know, they're announcing that, you know, we may not be able to go to a concert again until the fall of twenty twenty one. It just, you know, just made my heart sink. And, yeah. yeah, I mean you know, it affects it affects everyone. Well, I mean, like how closely are you watching that one concert that's happening in Arkansas? Um, that's like the social distance concert where they're only letting in a certain amount of people and like that could be the model for things moving forward. Yeah, but is that going to be fun? Are people going to want to? Oh do no, that? it's definitely not going to be fun. <laughs> I think that, right? I, think I mean, so you have you have to figure out a way to make it fun. Like, how can we do this? I mean, there's always drugs, fun? right? Like, <laughs> like drugs will make anything fun. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not everybody's off the shits, right? Not everybody's <laughs> taking the drugs. But you know, what what is going to make people get out of their seats? you know get out of their houses again because people are going to be scared about this for a while even if yeah. we have a vaccine and with all these crazy ass documentaries going around and like you know uh planting these ideas in people's heads you know people are going to be not want to take these vaccines or not you know be like get help or whatever like yeah, yeah. so who knows what's gonna you know this could you know it's still too early the doctors don't know about any really much about this disease or virus or whatever so it's yeah. You know, well, listen, scary. if 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 we're not going to go to concerts for the next, you know, year, year and a half, something like that, I am I am so grateful that uh, out of all the concerts we went to, we were able to go to your South by Southwest show, that Chicago show where you brought out all these Chicago artists, plus French Montana was incredible. Um, I'm glad also we, <laughs> we, we got to see you. Were, you were there at Highline Ballroom when when Future performed, right? Yeah, that was Future a great King show. Louis, remember that? Absolutely, was yeah, yeah. If, I, if we don't have concerts, where am I going to see you guys? I, I, <laughs> I guess just on Zoom. But you yeah. know what, Andrew? I uh, only see you at concert events. I I see, that's not I, true. I think the last time I saw you was at the the Boiler Room in in New York, right? Yes, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. We have mostly hung out at concerts, <laughs> but that is not the only place we have hung out. We've also hung and out in the park. That, the last the last place I saw you was at South by Southwest. <laughs> we also saw you at our apartment. <laughs> no, no, actually, listen. Li- listen uh, Andrew came by our or our old apartment. 
Really? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was. Yes. Yeah. I did. I just came over there one day and we hung out. Oh. Oh. Right. Yeah. Because I, I was thinking we did the interview on the yeah, podcast that, out in Los Angeles. Yeah. Which is not we where did. we live. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. listen, Andrew. We love you. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Uh, stay inside. Stay creative. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you very soon. All right. Hey. One. One last thing. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. I thought I was blackballed from the show or something like that. Uh, no, it's like Michael sure. Jordan. You just need to send the facts out. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. So I, I'm. thank you guys for having me on and salute to you guys for doing this every single day. Like, you guys are great and you be keeping my spirits up. So thank you for all you guys do and, uh, you know, making this a little bit easier for everybody else. Thank well, you, thank you very much. And, and before I sign off, I, I tell this story all the time. When you guys came to that French Montana show, <laughs> At South by Southwest, we were all sitting in the box up top. And remember, he came out, and that's when he premiered. Uh, uh, yeah, unforgettable, unforgettable. Yeah. And he just he just let it play for a half an hour, and just kept <laughs> walking back and starting it over. And by the way, <laughs> it did not go well. Like nobody no, people were leaving. Like yeah, he was just dancing by himself on the stage. And the next thing you know. He's right. He's right up there with Kendrick Lamar. So here we are. Thanks to we you, saw Andrew. History, guys. I know. <laughs> Andrew, we'll talk to you soon. All right, peace. And now, Jeff, let's call over to Philadelphia, PA, and get on the phone with our friend from AudioMac, Kim Chanel. Hello. Kim! What up? Hey, what's up, y'all? How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing all right. Uh, How are you doing in general? How's life treating you? How's your day-to-day? How are you getting by? Um, It's good. It's been like, you know, I have my days just like everybody else, but I think I'm just grateful for this time to like be able to, like, just, just to be able to like sit down. Um, I think this first quarter I've been like running around just like keeping busy, like, and traveling and like to work-related events that we've been throwing. Um, but for the most part, like, it's it's been, it's, it's a lot, but it can be, I have my days where I'm just like chill, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, like, is, is today one of those, ch- like, I saw you tweet some things, you know, I saw you like retweet somebody where you, where somebody was just like, I feel so crazy every single day and i need like you know therapy basically and you were just like exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point yes because it's just i think therapy is like a lot of us are going to need that coming out of this um just because it's like it's a different it's a different um you know everybody's everybody's placed in this position and we're all in the same boat you know where we have to just stand still in our lives or at hold so i think like everybody's going to need that at some point you know, just or just an outlet to, to talk to. Like some people may have different forms of therapy, so which is always good. So it's just like it's just like a, I think everybody. It's just like a different situation for all of us. So yeah. So where do you find comfort every day? Like, wh- what is your 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 center? Oh, every day. I think for the most part, like I. I work out. I just started, like, working out and stuff like that because I'm trying to, you know, come out of this pandemic, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, working out and then also, like, I also DJ on the side. So, like, that's, like, whenever I do listen to music, that's, like, my outlet as far as, like, because I, I like to transition songs. So, like, that's my that's my way of coping with everything. So, it's cool. Um, and, yeah, like, I DJ on the side. Like, so it's just, like a like, a fun thing to do for me as a hobby. Well, Kim, we've known you, I mean, like, I feel like we've really known you for the past, like, year, but, like, we've, I've seen you for the past, like, numerous amount of years, ever since you came to New York from Philly, and I want to know, like, first of all, how did you get here? Like, what was the first thing that brought you to New York? (laughs) 
So pretty much, um, I went to school at community college in Philadelphia, which is where I'm born and raised. People always think I'm from New York, but I'm not. <laughs> um, and it's so annoying, but I'm like, no, I'm from Philly. No, it's Kimmy from Philly, accent. right, yeah. Yeah, I like, you can't hear my accent. But people always get it, like, think I'm from there. Um, but so I went to a uh, community college in Philly, then I transferred to Pace University downtown. Um, I started majoring in communications, and then I got an internship at Epic Records, um, which was, like, my main goal, like, was to, like, work in music. So, like, that was, like, you know, the end all be all, like, of coming to New York. Like, that was my main point of being there. So I ended up getting an internship at Epic Records under um, Urban Promotions. And then next thing you know, like, I was back-to-back at record labels just interning. Um, the next one was Atlantic Records under Video. And that was under Mango. Um, shout and out to Manny, and- yep. Yeah, shout out to Manny. I don't know if she remembers me. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Death Jam, which was under digital marketing. And then after that, after that semester, it was A&R. So like, that was like my main goal, like coming to New York was just like, you know, being in music. And then on the side, I was like, also having my own parties and stuff like that. So When you were at Epic, I, I yeah. want to know, were you there when Bobby Schmurter got signed? Yeah, well, not when he got signed. I was there when he, um, like, after he got signed. So I was there fall, fall of, fall of 2014. So, like, whenever Bobby came, like, he was, oh, my God, he was a sweetheart. Like, literally, he would light up the room. And, like, you know, he was always trying to smoke in the office stuff. <laughs> they would smoke in <laughs> But he was so, like, he was a really good vibe. Him and Rowdy, and, like, they were always, like, pleasant to be around. That's awesome. I think you were the person who took the picture of, like, the whole staff when they came out in the elevator lobby, right? Yes. Yes, I was. I was. That was such a good moment. Yeah, I did take the picture. Um, That was with L.A. and, like, the whole Epic Records staff. Um, Some of them, I think, are still there. But, um, yeah, like, that was such a dope experience. Yeah. Looking back uh, and you think about New York City and obviously you've thrown a lot of events around here, uh, what do you miss most about being outside? Um, just being able to do my job <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> like that's like really it and just being able to travel. Um, but like mainly like just being able to do my job. Like, cause you know, like I work at Audio Max, so my job is to throw um my events and stuff like that. So it's just like kinda hindering and like that's just like I think that's what's getting to me the most for the yeah. most part is just like I can't do my job like, the way I want to do it and like doing it virtually isn't ideal. So, you know. Um, but, and then as well as like traveling, I think I miss traveling a lot too, like just being able to, um, you know, experience different cities and get those people within those cities. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what did you think and where were you when you found out that South by Southwest was not going to happen this year? Oh my God. I was so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was so pissed. Oh my God. Cause, um, we were supposed to be doing like a whole, like, you know, audio max takeover. So, um, you know, like a, for the whole entire week, we haven't been signed up. So yeah. it was just frustrating because, you know, we had to, like, we were planning this, you know, and um, we want to have like this big, like, rooftop party and stuff. So, but um, hopefully next year we can try again. Because, you know, I, oh, I remember when you guys went to um, the audio max oasis. Yeah. Yeah. Three years ago. Yeah. yeah. So we were trying to, like, do that again. Yeah, we were actually so we were we were supposed to go down to South by as well this year because um, we didn't go yeah. to the last year I don't think but we were we were going to return this year we had uh, our own event lined up we were going to stop by other people's events and you know we were really looking forward to it because this sort of felt like we had our uh, 
our bearings you know we yeah. knew what well, to felt expect like a lot of momentum going into this thing and yeah it's just like you know everything sort of stops <laughs> and i feel bad for everyone down in austin because it's it's such a main oh you know economic center for them yeah. you know to do this this big yeah. thing every, every year and all of a sudden to have it evaporate those are jobs lost those are you know people's um chances taken away from them it's it's just a lot a lot gone Exactly. I felt really bad for the curators, especially, and as well as, like, the, the locals in um, Texas, like, in Austin, Texas, because, you know, that that's their main, I wouldn't say main um, resource, but, like, that's one of, you know, that's how they, that traffic is, you know, how they, you know, they, they, some of them are established for the year for that, because it's, like, there's so much volume coming in, people, like, from people from other cities, so it's just, like, I just felt really bad, like, on, that, on their end, as well as the curators. Um, he worked hard to put those events together. No question. So it was just like, it stuck because it was just like, and I don't even know if they're getting their, if the people that attended or they were trying to attend are getting their money back. So that also sucks. Yeah. But hopefully like those people that bought their badges and stuff, they're like getting a refund. As someone who uh, traveled a lot, who uh, I'm sure intimately knew all the airports and uh, and where to eat and how the quickest you know way to get through places was, um were you the type of person to bring Lysol already onto the plane and wipe everything down? Were you the type of person to like, you know, wear your mask on the plane? Yeah, like, were you Naomi Campbell? Yeah. Or? <laughs> you know what's crazy? I really wasn't taking it serious at first. Like, I was like, oh, this is just another, like, I don't know, Ebola situation. Like, I was just, like, not taking it serious. But then I saw, like, people were, like, really, like, dying. And I was like, that, that was crazy. So I was like, you know what, let me... um you know, take myself out of this and just, like, really, you know, be more cautious and conscious of what's going on because, you know, I, I don't think anyone was taking it serious at first, but, like, now it's, like, you know, shit is getting real. So, yeah, now at this point, I'm definitely doing all of it. Like, I, I'm basically Naomi Campbell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even even when it comes to just like, you know, you go out grocery shop and you come back, it's like, I may not have like really touched any doorknobs or anything, but it's like straight to washing your hands, like lights oh. all down the phone, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. But even, honestly, even before this, I was definitely that person that would use their sleeves to touch like doorknobs and stuff on my scarf. So I wasn't even really trying to like, you know, because it's just like, every, people are just not clean. So some people are just like, don't practice the same hygienic you know, rules stuff. Yeah. I was very cautious for that. <laughs> well, how, how, like, if, let's say, and this, this will not happen, but let's say everything opened up and, like, you know, they opened up all the doors and we're able to go outside tomorrow and everything is back to normal. Are you hurrying to get on a subway car? Because I'm not. Oh, man. Um, damn. Because I, I haven't been in New York since it started. Yeah. And I'm just like, I miss everything about New York. I've been in Philly with family, so, um, like once everything cools down, I'm like going back to my apartment. Yeah. But I think I don't know, man, because I think that's a good question. I think I think I just missed the element of New York, so I may just be more cautious this time rather than just like going all out being careless. But I do miss New York a lot, so I might just like just straight shoot straight up there. <laughs> In terms of your work these days, uh, everything is sort of like you know just the rug taken out from under you yeah from under you so how do you like rebound and and you know you have been creating these uh online events and so what is the thinking behind them how do you move forward in in creating them like what is your process 
Well, we do these like open mics, so they're always fun. We have, um, we brought on Ivy Rivera and sometimes, um, this other, he's an influencer, Dick by Air, he hosts them sometimes. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, we have those online, so those are always fun. Um, they, with that, it's just more so like it's very simple. We usually have them with new forward music in New York. Um, so, you know, but we're, we like have this live, so, um, but yeah, like, so this would be, as far as the process of it, um, it's just mostly it's pretty much easy on the on this side of things because it's like we we have it. It's at random now, so like we have the host whoever's hosting pick the artist, and like I think that builds some anticipation with that. Um, just you know, not knowing whether or not we're going to be picked, but it's just like makes you want to you know. It's like a, a nice surprise to be picked. So that's one aspect of like the business that we've been doing. We've also been doing like these candles and stuff like that, just giving like, artists the ins and outs of the industry, mm-hmm. of the music industry, like what labels, uh, what essential labels they would need as far as like, um, you know, which, um, not labels, but which uh, departments uh, are the main resources for them. Um, and then, you know, like my coworkers, Jason, put that together. And then, like, we've just been doing, like, a few other, like, um, interviews and stuff like that with artists. So, um, I've been helping, like, get some artists together for that as well. What's your favorite concert that you've been to? Oh, my gosh. Um, my favorite concert, Kanye. But when he was at Atlantic, Atlantic, um, in Atlantic City. What? He did, um, which this, tour was that? It was, he did two shows. I actually went to both. This was, like, 2012, 2013. He did a show for, um... For like New Year's Eve, and it was like a crazy ass projection. Like he had a projection wall that, like, I don't know if you saw that picture, but it was like it was so wild. It was the best concert I've been to ever because it was just like a very it was more intimate than your typical Kanye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like really cool. And then um, best my favorite festival was probably like Made in America 2013, like the second one. Like remember when? Yeah. Yes, remember when um, Jay when, when Jay Z took a picture with the man who was standing on the side? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> what's crazy about that is you posted my article from Rolling Stone. What? Yeah. <laughs> Back in 2012. I mean, Are you I, serious? Yeah, yeah. Like my byline what? is on there. I'm like, that's crazy. But when? Oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> it's really crazy that that this phone call has brought us together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> These days, considering that everyone's, you know, gone fully digital, everyone knows that there's only like a few ways to reach out and and touch their audience right now. What would you say is the most important uh, form of social media? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? Like, what is it for you? For me, I think Twitter, um, just mostly because it's like you... With Instagram, people are just looking looking at pictures, but with, with Twitter, like, you can, it's more of, like, a journal for me and maybe other people, so it's, like, you can always create a thread just, like, just to get your thoughts off, and some people may be feeling the same way, um, and, you know, some people may not be vocal, they may feel the same way, but they may not, you know, express that or feel that right at the moment, but I think for me, Twitter is definitely, like, a strong usage of social media rather than Instagram, I would say. Facebook, I don't really use it. It's more like a... Same. I feel like Facebook is for the aunties. I I I agree, yeah. (laughs) Although, weirdly, like, a lot of young people are now going back to Facebook. Is that true? Yeah, because, like, it's people that, like, you knew... 
as opposed to like you know trying to front for i deactivated my account a couple years ago and ever since then i ask both of my brothers for whose birthday it is like and so the other day because that's really all it was it was just like it's a picture album and i know whose birthday it is so i can wish them a happy birthday the other day i wished a good friend of ours a happy birthday and he was like it's not my birthday and then i was like am i am i a bad am i a bad friend for actually wishing him a happy birthday and the answer he's a bad friend for not accepting it (laughs) so wait wait so just for the record kim when is your birthday my birthday is February 4th. Oh, we missed it. So yeah. are we bad friends? Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys are amazing friends. You All right. Are amazing. We're going we're gonna to wish you an early happy birthday for next year. Yes. We're the first ones to wish you a happy birthday for next year. Yeah, in May. Kim, <laughs> Kim, <laughs> uh, we love you. Take care of yourself and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you, guys. Love you. Love what you're doing. So you guys are amazing. Shout out to Kim Chanel. Shout out to Andrew Barber and shout out to TM88. Jeff, are we back tomorrow? We are back every day forever. As always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. See you guys tomorrow. Brrrat!